0: Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Well, welcome. We are glad that you are with us today. Uh, We hope you had a great Merry Christmas and uh, that you enjoyed it with uh, friends and family, people from all over. I want to talk to you this morning about this idea. Joy comes from God up there, not from objects or people out there. Okay, all our joy, everything we do, everything we're about, our source of joy comes from God up there. In fact, uh, have you ever heard that classic uh, saying, right, when it comes to the turn of the new year? Let's make this next year the best year yet. Can anybody relate with me, right? But the truth of the matter is some of us have lived some pretty great years, right? Like maybe if you're on the whole season into things, you look back and you're like, I don't know how this next year is really going to be my best year, right? If we're being truthful with ourselves and uh, really evaluating it. And Psalms actually says this right here for us is that if you make known to me the path of life in your presence, there is fullness of joy fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. The source comes from God up there, not from objects or people out there. Uh, The hang-up as we, we navigate some of that is we, no matter how many times we're told that, if we're followers of Jesus, we still try to put our hope or our enjoyment in what happens out there. For instance, uh, three weeks ago, precisely, the Cincinnati Bengals were playing the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Pastor Goss just got done speaking a phenomenal message and uh, I come home they're on primetime tv 425 now if you're a Bengals fan when the Bengals are playing on primetime tv national network you're usually like what is happening because they aren't really the world's best team so the Bengals I'm watching the game first half they're down 20 to 3 instantly sad Started the day up here, afternoon down here. So my wife and I, she's kind of hanging out. She's like, why don't we go do something as a family? I said, okay, let's go look at Christmas lights. We go around town looking at Christmas lights. And then I come back, turn on the game. The Bengals tied the game. So instantly, I'm like, God, you're good. Come on, man. It's 20 to 20. Bengals come down in overtime. They kick the field goal. They make the field goal. Now the Bengals haven't let a touchdown go all second half. I'm feeling great. I'm excited. Like my Bengals are going to win. 23 to 20, let's go. And then San Francisco comes down four plays later, scores a touchdown, wins a game. That's it. That's a wrap. Put a seal on it, and that is what we call ball game. Instant dis appointment right there when I'm sitting there that night evening with my wife she can see that my emotion is over here that I'm frustrated that I'm annoyed that my bangles lost and she's like well why don't we just like root for a different team <laughs> seriously it took God's intervention at that moment But I'm like, no, we're a Bengals family. You know, like we were raised not correctly, Bengals all day, every day in that sense. So then later on, she can still see, like, I'm getting short with my kids. I'm frustrated. My kids are saying something. I'm like, boy, listen up. You got to be. And I'm like irritated because the Bengals lost. Everything's going well, Bengals lost. And then we're laying in uh, bed, just kind of relaxing, calming down for the night. And she's like, well, why don't we like root for a different team? Like, I don't know, the Packers? Now, you have to understand a little bit of the Pastor Goss is a Packers fan. I was this close. Oh boy, that night, it was a very trying night. The issue with that being is I let the bangles dic- determine and dictate how my day kind of played out. My emotional spectrum. I put my enjoyment based on something out there versus God up there. Now we see this happening a long time. It's confusing times. It's interesting parallel times. A lot of people put their hope or their enjoyment in what maybe the White House does. For instance, it started you know five, two years ago about 15 days. Hey, everybody wear a mask. Everybody quarantine. Let's stop the spread. Now we're three variants later. People are are, are struggling. Depression is at an all-time high. I said this on Christmas Eve. Depression is the most significant disability that's being uh, accounted for from a physician's stake. Between the ages of 15 and 43, 16 million Americans are being diagnosed with some kind of clinical depression. Anxiety, one in five adults battle anxiety because we're putting our hope out there or in our enjoyment out there Verse, the one who is the ultimate source of enjoyment and hope up there. And we even see that with our, our marriages, our relationships. We, we make that person our source of enjoyment. We make that person our source of happiness. If they can give me what I need, then I will be okay. When the truth of the matter is that can be very depleting to that individual. It can be very uh, strugglesome in that relationship. So that happens where we have to take a step back and say, where does my joy come from? Our happiness, our content in life come from. So today we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, where this man by the name of Apostle writes some pretty stern and real words that can be very tough to palate. And what I mean by that is this is the most Christian systematic presentation of Christian doctrine that we have. Now, I always pause and I I tell people, anytime you do a deep dive into Romans, it's the kind of book of the Bible that you need to read with your work boots on, strapped up, ready to engage. Because what happens is a lot of times we get brought up in a certain kind of maybe culture, uh, lifestyle, home living situation, and we make that kind of the foundation. So then whenever we read the book of Romans, it's almost like, whoa, that's a lot to handle. I can't believe, did Paul actually say that? Man, that's very bold. That's alarming. And so what I tell everybody, you have to prepare your hearts to receive. At some point throughout this next year, uh, we're gonna look at maybe going by Romans, a book in verse or chapter in verse because it is one of those things that's so counterculture but so necessary for the soul. So Paul gives us this idea and this understanding of where we need to turn for our source of enjoyment. So, Romans chapter 5, he's writing to this group of believers from this Greek city of Corinth, and he says this Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory. Of God, I want to highlight this word, rejoice. Rejoice. If you want to find enjoyment in life, we need to first, number one, we need to rejoice in God. Rejoice in God. See, when it comes to rejoicing in God, you might be like, well, this is church, Pastor Blake. Like, uh, I, I know that, but how do I practically live that out? Well, it begins by having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus fills the void. In fact, I want to give you three ways Jesus changes things. And Paul opens it up by this. He says, and Jesus changes our identity, number one. Look, in uh, verse one, it says, we have been justified. It's this statement of proclamation. Many times in the gospel, you look at it and there's this invitation. There's this explanation. Well, Paul is writing to this church in Rome and saying, "Hold it, hold it. We are proclaiming that we are made right with God because of Jesus. Jesus feels the chasm. Jesus feels the, the divide. Jesus makes it OK that we have a one a new identity with him, unrighteous to now being made righteous. We are justified. We are made new. In fact, Romans, the great king of all the Israelite nation, Paul quotes him earlier in the book and he says this, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and those whose sins are covered. Blessed is a man against whom the Lord will not count his soul. Jesus brings a new identity to us. Rejoicing in God means we, through Jesus, have a new identity. Number two, Jesus changes our relationship with God. Jesus changes our relationship with God. The Bible talks about this uh, idea of war, that we are at war with God before we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. In fact, uh, uh, Romans 8, 7 says this, the sinful mind is at war with God. It does not obey God's law. It can't. See, conflict happens when two parties want ownership. So you're constantly in this understanding, who's gonna own my life? Is it gonna be God or is it gonna be myself? And I don't know, I sometimes let my own self down. I make some mistakes. I say some words that I regret. But see, with God, when we allow Jesus to change our life, when we allow Jesus, he changes our relationship with God, that the pressure is off me, and that God is now leading, God is now in control. It's not my desires, it's God's plan for my life that I'm in pursuit of. And number three, Jesus changes our emotions. So we have obtained this statement, what Paul says, we have grace in which we stand. Obtained access, this this faith gives us grace. We now rejoice in hope. See, before Jesus, we had no hope. There was an end and it wasn't looking looking pretty for us. We go from being hopeless to now hopeful. You look later on in, in Matthew, or in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus has this kind of statement. He says, I desire people to be of mercy, my followers of mercy, not of sacrifice. Verse, this, this complex understanding of it is not about all this ritualistic way of living, but it's about this emotional state and this character, this being of who we are to give mercy, to give grace. Jesus changes our emotional state, our way of looking at life. I'm always perplexed when individuals say that they are followers of Jesus, yet their emotional states kind of say, contrary ways. What i mean by that is this, you and i we each face difficulties in life. In fact, we'll talk about that here in a moment. We go through challenges, we go through hiccups, we go through up and downs. Now, someone not following Jesus might take that run with it and their emotions could be everywhere. See a follower of Jesus is saying, "Hey, i am going through a hard time, a difficult time." But I know that, yeah, I'm going to experience some emotional highs and lows, but ultimately I'm going to come back to this foundation of who Jesus is in my life. It's how we navigate those emotions that separate us from someone who follows Jesus and someone that doesn't. So when we rejoice in God, Jesus changes our identity. He changes our relationship with God. And Jesus changes our emotional state. That's what Paul is referencing to in Rome when he's writing this from the city of Corinth when he's in Greece. Number two for us this morning is this. We rejoice in difficulties. Rejoice in difficulties. When we start focusing our attention on God above there, up there, then we don't have to worry about what is out there. And then what is out there might be a difficult situation that we have to handle, might have to deal with. Anytime I speak with someone uh, who's maybe doesn't really have a relationship with Jesus, maybe they're far from God and they're looking, they're sourcing. One of the biggest questions I get is, well, if God is so good, if God loves me so much, why does he allow bad things to happen to good people? It's one of the most trying moments that every believer maybe sources and goes through in their life. And I I believe it comes down to this after years of looking at it. The truth be told, if I try to get up here and explain, hey, God allowed this to happen in your life and give you a clear answer, the the truth be told, I I don't know. I don't know why some things are permitted, some things aren't, and some things uh, happen to us. I I don't know. And I, I think anybody who proclaims the gospel and says, hey, I know exactly why this happened, this tragedy happened in your life, then I think you should take a step back and really evaluate what you're listening to. But what Paul is saying right here and what I've boiled it down to in my own words in my own life is this. When difficulties come up, they can be defining moments in your life. When difficulties arise, you can let them define you for the good or for the worse. For my family, I think about leaving a legacy for my sons and my daughter. I want them to look at my life and say, dad, something maybe have happened to you, something you've maybe gone through, something maybe you've processed, but you always kept your head up. You always kept looking forward. You always kept a good character-built example for our family. So my question to you is, whenever difficulties arise, are you gonna make them, how are you gonna make them your defining moment? Are they gonna be for the good or for the worse? When I think of, good or making defining moments great in life or the most out of them i think of this classic hymn it is well anybody familiar with it it is well with my soul. So see, I tried this every time. Uh, first service I tried to sing, got so bad people asked me to invite our worship leader up here. So we're going to take a moment, if you know the words, we don't have it on screen, it's kind of impromptu, we talked about it, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing, it is well with my soul. So here we go, Pastor Steph. It is well, it is well With my soul, with my soul, it is well. I grew up going to a church that would sing that hymn quite often. So there's a story behind that hymn. Horatio Spafford, he uh, went through great, two big tragedies in his life. One, he lost his son uh, in a fire, the famous, the Great Chicago Fire in 1871. Travesty in his life. Sometime later, he was getting ready to go uh, uh, do a... Uh, music for this man by the name of D.L. Moody in England Uh, if you know any of your church history these are big names back in the 1800s he's getting ready to go so he sends his family before him his wife and four daughters they're on a collision course in the Atlantic with another boat they end up losing the man Horatio Spafford ends up losing four of his daughters in the Atlantic so in a period of time he lost his son and his four daughters Then uh, he's going to console his grieving wife, and as he makes his way across the Atlantic, he comes to this place in the Atlantic where the incident happened, and he coined one of the greatest hymns of all time. He allowed that difficult moment, and he made it a defining moment before the good. Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, this is what Paul encourages us to do. Whenever we are looking for joy in this new life, we need to, too rejoice in difficulties. And then he continues in verse three. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Rejoice in difficulties. Find the balance when you're going through a hardship, oppression, distress, in each circumstance to say, God, how can I rejoice in this situation? I have this 24-hour rule in in our family life. Whenever something maybe is said to me, whenever something maybe comes into my life that is uh, gripping, hard to handle, a difficult situation, I take a step back, I wait 24 hours. I call someone who's full of wealth and wisdom in their mind who's gonna tell me how to process that situation. Not someone that's gonna back my emotional state, but someone that's gonna speak truth to me rejoicing in difficult situations when we're suffering it produces endurance it's kind of like going to the gym whenever you go to the gym you're breaking down your muscles and you get built back stronger you come back and you're saying hey i'm training in the gym i'm sore next day you get up you do it a little more eventually time and time again that endurance that suffering on your physical body you come back stronger a lot of times new followers of Jesus get, re- they wrestle with this because it's, oh man, this, this suffering I just can't handle. But then you talk to someone on the other end of the spectrum uh, who's a seasoned saint and they're like, I got it together. Like, hey, I've gotten a little tougher. I've, I'm producing, I'm enduring this. And they kind of look at the situation and say, just hang in there. Just hang in there, young follower. But then endurance, Paul continues, also says, produces character. See, counting the wallet matters, counting the calories matters, counting the family outings and the family memories matters, but counting character is what truly matters. Um, We're a young family. We have three kids and it's a challenge, but I want my sons and my daughter to develop some character. So there's moments where you have to take a step back, and you have to allow parents you have to allow your children to go through something so that they can develop some character. Can't always protect them. When kid wants to be picked up, you say, well, why, "Why do I need to pick you up? Why are you whining? Are you whining because you're arguing with your brothers or sisters? What's going on right here?" You have to allow this endurance and this character to be built up. It's in our difficult times so that we can weather the storm, that we can eventually then our character produces hope. It's saying we have hope in God. We have hope that he is going to be the man who's laid out the plan, who's laid out the map for us, and we have hope in that. The world might say something and we might not like it, they might not respect or receive what we are all about, but when we have hope in Jesus, hope that he's coming to be, be with his church, then we have nothing to really worry about, fret about. When 2022 comes, it's not a, I'm worried about what's gonna happen out there. I know that I have a hope that is up there. And then when we continue this, it says this, hope does not put us to shame, Paul writes. Many times people will make fun of the hope of a follower. and I'm saying, well, what hope do you have? See, Jesus brings us hope. There's no shame in that. That's what Paul is writing. He's proclaiming, hope does not put us to shame. Hope in God does not put us to shame. You often cannot control the outcome, but you can control who you become. I love what uh, Samuel Chan says in Leadership Pain. He says, pain is part of the progress. Anything that grows experiences some pain. If I avoid all pain, I'm avoiding growth. So we rejoice in our difficulties. It's shaping our character. It's delivering hope. And it's for others to see and others to witness. Number three for us, when it comes to putting our, our enjoyment of this next year, we need to come to this understanding that we need to rejoice in reconciliation. Rejoice in reconciliation. Romans 5, 6 through 11, Paul continues and he says this, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one who scarce, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, where we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by, by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. See, God originally designed everything to be good and perfect. We see this back in Genesis. We have a tendency, Adam and Eve, through the days, to make some good things, great things, and mess them up along the way. But see, God also knew that he was still willing to reconcile us each and every day. one of us that the story wasn't done that we just came into this out of this christmas season christmas was yesterday that the reason for the season is this man by the name of jesus this savior the yahweh saves see when it comes to reconciliation god's not done with us god still wants to move in our lives god still wants to show up and show out in our lives but when we come to reconciliation we have to understand first who were we before jesus See, before Jesus, we're sinners, we're weak, we're people far from God. There's a wrath that's owed to us. We're enemies of God. But look at the contrast that Paul highlights and brings to the surface. God loved us still so much that as enemies, he gave his one and only son, Jesus, for us. Now imagine having a relationship with God How much he loves us and cares for us. That when we begin that relationship with God through Jesus, how much more great things will be because we're no longer enemies, but we're children of God. See, when it comes to reconciliation, we see who we were before Jesus entered the picture. And then, when it comes to reconciliation, when we rejoice in reconciliation, that God didn't give up on us, that God still is working in the narrative and the story, it says, Now, how were we reconciled? Because Jesus died on the cross for us. See, Christmas highlights when the Savior comes, Easter celebrates what the Savior has done. Christ died for us. If God is for us when we were enemies, He'll sure be for us when we are friends. Who are we now, then, when it comes to reconciliation? When you begin a relationship with Jesus, you're saved, you're loved, you're justified. You have the Holy Spirit, that same spirit that resided in God and the apostles, or the, excuse me, resided in Jesus, the apostles. You have that same spirit that's living and active and at work in you. I just wanna highlight as we close this morning in Romans 5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. See, reconciliation means there's peace, there's joy, there's restoration. When we rejoice in reconciliation, that God is for us, he's with us, that he's coming back for us through his son Jesus, then we have a lot to celebrate. So, as you come into this new year of 2022, I want to encourage you. Contrary to say, hey, let's make this the best year yet, I don't want to make this the best year yet. I want to make this the, the year we look forward to with our great enjoyment found in God. So, you might be in here for the first time, or maybe you've came with family or friends. We want to give you a practical step in. Our hope for you is this number one, that you start a relationship with Jesus. See, it's Jesus who changes things God's given us him. We rejoice in that, that we're made right because of him. I want to give you a practical step. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus, it's very simple. In this moment, we're going to enter into a time of prayer in just a second. But you say, God, what do you have in store for my heart, my mind? Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus from heaven, you humbled him to earth, that he died on the cross, that you rose him again three days later, and therefore we are saved. And when we get into this time of prayer and you pray that in your heart, I want to encourage you to stop by the hub, fill out a communication card, because we believe here at Faith that life is better together, that you shouldn't go at life alone. And then number two for us is this maybe you've said, Well, I have a relationship with God, Pastor Blake. Maybe I just want to encourage you here in just a moment to continue to find your enjoyment in him. Maybe redirect, maybe dial in. Maybe you've been putting some of your hope in that stock market or family or people or marriages or relationship. Maybe you've been putting your hope and enjoyment in others and maybe you're kind of waffling right now and you need to kind of center it up and say, I want to put my joy at the main source, and that's God. So I'm going to ask you if you'll stand with me. We're going to pray, and we're going to enter this final song. And then we have some closing remarks for you as well. Feel about your heads. Lord, we give you this time right now. We worship you, and we praise you. We say thank you. Today, when we've gone through different scenarios in life and When we look at bringing 2022 into these upcoming days, may we always remember that enjoyment in life comes from you. Joy in life is established in you. Lord, may we not get distracted. May we not be uh, uh, moved in certain situations. May we not be people who react, but people who act according to your plan and will in our life. Lord, I specifically pray for those in this place right now who want to start a relationship with you, who are saying, Lord, they don't really know what to do but they're, they're trusting in, in, in you by, by this faith and, and stepping out and say, God, be the be the leader, Lord, of our lives by believing that we're made right with our faith in Jesus. I pray that you be with those individuals. Give them a boldness to stop by the hub, Lord, after. Lord, I also pray for those who are Going and navigating some situations in life that they maybe need to refocus some scenarios. Bless their lives, Lord. Anoint these individuals. May we leave here better than the way we came in. And in your great name, we all say, Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8, 15, and 10, 45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday morning. Faith Assembly Sunday morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.